Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens, though. Always shoot my shot, better swishing off the pick and roll. Dishing off the give and go, all my squad is driven, so you can catch us on the road. Promise we ain't doing shows, so that means... Rip City, are you listening? I'm Christian Gamalin, I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer, and this is the Peeps and Plaid podcast. Before we start, we just want to recognize... Former NBA commissioner David Stern has passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 77 after a couple weeks in the hospital following a brain hemorrhage. He was commissioner from 1984 to 2014, and he was huge in turning the NBA into the worldwide brand and success that it is today. So huge thank you to David Stern, and our thoughts and prayers are with his family. It's, you know, that sucks. Um, you know, luckily he he left the NBA in good hands, and um us as fans are just super thankful for everything that he did. Uh, it was at a huge time in the NBA when, like, right when Michael Jordan came into the league. So uh, it was just he was commissioner for a really important period, obviously. So and I, and I think it's fitting for us to discuss him in this episode as we discuss, you know, where the league is going. I think it's important for us to look at where it's been and how it really translated to being the global game that uh, Stern helped help turn it into, and um, some of the progressive. Um, really policies and, and rules that are alive in the NBA today as a result of him. So uh, thank you, David Stern, for your contribution to the game and rest easy, big man. Um, and uh, I'm sure the game is, is uh, morning, a morning, a good guy tonight. Totally. Totally. So to right now, the Blazers are just barely holding on to eighth place in the West after giving up a heartbreaker to the Phoenix Suns at the Mona center. Uh, after the Blazers had twice their score, 38 to 19 at the end of the first quarter, they ended up blowing that. And it was it was more of the same. It's a lot of stuff we've talked about, a lot of our frustrations that we've had before. But, you know, the Blazers, just you can't really feel all that confident going into any game right now. Uh, they, yeah. they could win any, but they could certainly lose any. So, Happy New Year. It is 2020. And while we uh, while it may be the perfect time for hindsight, we're going to shift our focus to the future. And also <laughs> to provide just a little bit of context of, of what's going on here as we record this, the Blazers are currently playing the Knicks uh, in Madison Square Garden. Um, and I just said to my girlfriend, uh, we were watching a little bit of the game before we started recording, um, that, it, that it is kind of cool uh, that the players got to travel, I think, to MSG or to, uh, I should say more specifically, uh, New York City um on new year's eve so it sounds like they landed uh last night around 6 30 p.m and um I, I saw some photos from dame and uh of dame and nurk and then cj being able to celebrate their new year's eve um super cool that they were able to do that in new york city um and the blazers come in uh at 14 and 20 and the knicks are coming into this game at 9 and 24 um obviously both teams not where they want to be one one a little bit less where it wants to be um actually I, I i don't know if that's fair because there's a little bit different expectations for each of those teams coming into the season but yes like christian said some things uh that we've that we've already been discontent with so far this season have been occurring um but as of this point carmelo anthony is the second leading scorer tonight against the knicks with 12 points uh, has had a, had a very warm welcome in New York 
And Christian and I are going to kind of step away from some of the game recap tonight, and we'll get back into it here in the coming weeks. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about NBA 2030 and what we hope to see here in the coming years in the league. So sorry to interrupt you there, Christian, but just wanted to uh, give, a, give a little bit more of a status check here for our, our listeners as we haven't been here for the last week or two. Yep, yep. So uh, that was perfect what you said because I was just looking up to, to verify. This is Carmelo's first game back in Madison Square Garden playing since 2017. So we didn't play there for all of 2018 or all of 2019. Now it's 2020 and Carmelo is back playing in Madison Square Garden. So that's a, that's a pretty cool fact considering how much time he spent there and how much New York City means to Carmelo. Um, so like Austin said, going to 2030. So there hasn't been much change in the NBA in the last decade. There's been no new teams. There's been no teams that have moved locations. The Hornets and Bobcats switched their names to the Pelicans and the Hornets, but that's about mm -hmm. it. So really only only one name change since Hornets just switched teams. Uh, no significant changes to draft lottery, playoffs, teams in the league, nothing. But we feel like there might be a lot of change around the corner. The NBA just recently put out a letter to all the teams saying, you know, these are what we're looking forward to changing. Here's what we're open to talking about. And there's just just a feel of change on the horizon, especially with it being so long since anything's changed. I mean, Seattle hasn't had an NBA team in like 13 years now. Yeah. It's a long time. Uh, so despite multiple attempts in the last decade to bring the NBA back to Seattle, especially with the Sacramento situation, they've all been thwarted. Adam Silver says an expansion isn't likely to happen until at least like the middle of this decade when they rework their TV deal. So I'm looking to 2030. What is the NBA going to look like 10 years from now? And what changes would we like to see? Mm. So first off, NBA expansion. We talk in our second episode ever about NBA expansion. And what I'm about to say is going back to most of what I said back then. And there, there's one probably new aspect to that. But when I look at the current uh, like top metro areas in the United States of America, mm -hmm. you don't hit... Uh, th there's an NBA team in the top 14. Uh, actually, I lied. Number 13, Riverside, California, technically does not have a team. But it's okay. right next to LA, and there's already two teams there. And right. there's, a, there's two more teams in California, too. So right. after that, so after 13, 14 Detroit, 15 Seattle has approximately... 4 million people in the metro area, no team. The NBA needs to go back to Seattle. It, if they're going anywhere, that needs to be the number one priority. Yeah. After that, there's there's quite a few teams. There's uh, no, quite a few cities that are available. San Diego has no team. Tampa, uh, St. Louis, Baltimore, which is right next to Washington, D.C. Uh, but then as far as a place that is relatively far from other NBA franchises and could really bring in a new, uh, a lot more revenue. No. Uh, I think Las Vegas is next on there. So so that's no. basically harping back to what I talked about a little over a year ago. Um, after that, maybe Kansas City. A big one, this is a big one, is Mexico City. If the NBA went to oh, Mexico yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, Mexico yeah, yeah. City is like, I don't know, more populated than New York City, the metro area. So... That would be a huge market. So that would be NBA a big move, next... and it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting, and I think oh. it would be a, a much larger commitment to their, um, to their, to their uh, like Spanish cultural nights. Um, oh, yeah. 
you know, and, and just kind of their initiatives overseas and whatnot. And that does kind of fall into one of my notes I just jotted down. I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this in, in twofold. One is we're talking about expansion. Okay, maybe even WNBA expansion might be even just touched on oh, for yeah. a moment. And then international relations. So we, we've obviously already discussed, you know, how, how the NBA is going to deal with China. And I think that we're both pretty um, streamlined and, and, and congruent in our opinions uh, as how as far as how we feel about the whole China uh, ordeal with with the NBA, um, you know, obviously if, if there's a if there's a uh, uh, you know what's the what's the word here for it a regime I'm gonna call it a regime that's that's basically uh, not enforcing democracy and locking people up for their beliefs and blah 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 blah. You know, I don't think I think the NBA has always stand for stood for uh, progressive decisions and. Uh, like we said, looking back, decisions that Mr. Stern would would made and had made, um, and giving a voice to people that didn't necessarily have it um, beforehand. So I think that we'll see that kind of shift, not just within the ABA, but just kind of politically and globally a little bit. Um, but then, you know, to that point, um, giving a voice to markets that certainly have a, a need and are already kind of we kind of have our feet toes in the water a little bit with like you had mentioned mexico city that would be big um and then really quick just with the WNBA expansion every time i turn on 2k and i and i look at my options for the WNBA, i'm always shocked at one when they mention that the length of the season how short the season is and two um the how it's like 16 teams or something mm -hmm. it's like it's like yeah. half and and you know the pay and all that stuff you know i'm sure there's there's less demand for it if you're speaking in a purely capitalistic sense whatever but it's just very difficult for me to believe that there isn't any need. there's there's only 16 teams you know it's not like nobody's okay. really it looks like nobody, there's only 12 only 12 yeah i mean that just seems that seems a little shy for me i don't know like you could at least swing a 20 person i mean a 20 team league i feel like and i i don't know i i i would have to look at the hard numbers but it just doesn't seem right um so that i think that's gonna the WNBA is gonna have to see some expansion and some some pay uh increases um it sounds like it's not just a matter of um you know, a matter of, of supply and demand. It's really just also um, a little bit of a pay disparity there. So maybe a little bit is uh, putting it putting it nicely. But yeah, so international I mean, relations and WNBA expansion too, I think are, will be interesting. I mean, really, when, when you look at most, uh, I guess, societal issues, for the most part, we as, we as fans, we as uh, civilian contributors can only do so much. Um, the best we can do is to watch the WNBA because clearly there is much more demand in the United States of America and the world for the NBA. That's, that's what everyone's watching. Um, right. So the best way to get these people more money is to drive up, you know, advertising revenue and all that. And that just comes from, Oh, you're getting this many viewers. Okay. We'll give you this money. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's a huge part, but on top of it, you know, the WM, you know, the NBA can, can obviously do more contribute to, to that to contribute that's exactly to, what i was thinking with with the amount right of money now. they make now exactly. now obviously you know the nba is about the money okay they're about plenty of other things but they're about the money um so i can understand if they're like oh well we put this in and we're not making this much so we, we need to check and adjust all that but as far as promoting the WNBA there, there's a lot more that can be done that's for in, sure. incorpor incorporating them further into like all-star weekend or something yeah. you know what I mean 
like mm-hmm. making it making it truly where it's like a showcase game where like right before the men's all-star game or something you have the women WNBA all-star game or something yeah. I, don't, I don't know and I know that I know that with the seasons that would pose a couple logistic issues but um that's just spitballing you know but things like like you said is it the chicken or the egg do you do you do you just give you know multiple cities another another franchise and then the and then it follows or is it is it you know we got to give a little bit more attention and in, in, in some of the um airtime you know uh and i think players individually have done a very good job of speaking out against uh the haters that say that there isn't uh you know oh, i can beat a WNBA player or whatever in a game it's like come on man you know and <clears throat> so i think players i know isaiah thomas for one dame is big um, are very outspoken about you know what the WNBA has to offer. So I think that's something looking forward that we'll see uh, continuous growth in. I think I'm really just surprised to see how how lacking it is at the moment. Um, but that's one of those things, as with most of these decisions that we'll talk about, where it's like it's not something that we're going to see come to fruition for years after all the work. You know, it's going to be something where. The, the policies will be laid, the attention and the airtime will go, the advertising dollars, like you said, and then in five years, it'll be where, you know, we'd like it to be. Yeah. So that's that's the issue with a lot of these, in, in my opinion. But I'm sorry if I interrupted you there, buddy. No, no, totally. So just going back to NBA expansion, back to the NBA itself, the NBA needs to expand. There, There's no reason for it not to expand. I mean, you look back, there were so many more risks taken 20, 30 years ago now, uh, when they're adding more and more teams. Like, obviously, there's there's some risk involved with adding more teams. And, and there's a lot more paperwork and money moving involved, I'm sure. A lot of things that I'm I'm not well-versed in. But it needs to happen. It's, it's such little risk to it now. It's like, there, there's no reason not to. Um, the, when I look at it, there's so many reasons not to. As, as far as, like, league alignment, when I look at it, uh, you can... Shorten the schedule. I, I have it where if you if you add two new teams, um, you play every non-conference team twice, every conference team three times, and every division team four times, which makes clear boundaries as to what matters as far as conference, not conference, division, not division. Because right now, there it's just kind of arbitrary. Some teams in the, your conference you play four times, some teams you only play three times. This would set clear boundaries, however small they are. Um, no. It would drop the amount of games in the season by two, which isn't a lot, but considering they've been talking about short, shortening the season for so long and have yet to do anything about it, uh, I think this would be a great start. Dropping it by two no. games, it still holds the integrity of an 82-game season. It's it's not like it's significantly shorter, um, but it you know, it, it makes more sense. It's more logical sense to me. At yeah, least. I, I, I think I think that's a good point too. What you said, it holds the integrity of an eighty-two game season, where even though it's not, it, it's definitely it's it's you know, yeah. I think the word is negligible. The difference right there. So, like Chris Weber was talking about that yeah. the other day. He's like fervently defending not reducing the schedule length, and it's he was like, see, with a schedule like this, then like if teams are down, they can manage to dig themselves back out. It's like, yeah, yeah. man, but. If it's really bearing on a two or four game, you know, differential, you know, I don't know if that yeah. team would be digging itself out or if it even really matters that that much. Yeah. And the, the current schedule uh, of the NBA is just over 25 weeks. So like one week less than a year. And, and that, that's regular season schedule. Um, Wait, less than a year. What are you, isn't there 52 like, weeks in the year? Yeah, 52, I might have said year, I meant half a year. Yeah, um, yeah. 26 weeks and half a year. So it's just under half 
of the year. Um, yeah. My recommendation uh, to consider back-to-backs and all that, go to 28 weeks. One week of that is the All-Star break. Yeah. Um, limit preseason, because preseason right now is like three weeks. So if you take like two weeks off of that, um, yeah. that you're not really adding all that much time to it. Um, make it 28 weeks. Play three games per week. I, I don't know how to do all the scheduling for this or anything, right. so don't call me an expert on this. No. Uh, but schedule it kind of like baseball, where like yeah. you're home for a week, you're away for a week. And it's like we're home for uh, three games this week, away for three games next week. And just make it like a lot more predictable for the players. Like the players are going to love this. Yeah. Like yeah. you have like, no back-to-backs, because if you're doing just three games a week, you can make sure there's zero back-to-backs. Um so, I mean, 28 weeks, three games per week, that's 81 games. So one one week, you only have two games. Uh, so I, I just see nothing but wins here. Uh, everyone complains about how long the season is. They complain about back-to-backs. If you take away back-to-backs, if you um, shorten the season a little bit and give them more predictability at when they're, when they're at home with their families, um, I think that's only going to do well with the players. Yeah. Um, another thing is to reduce the playoffs in some capacity. I think it would be great to have the first round be a best of five series. I think that would be so good. Because you look at like the one seeds facing the eight seeds. Eight seeds never win. They've won, what, three times in history? Um, yeah. And then on top of that, I think there should be, uh, I mean, they, what they call them like gentlemen sweeps if you win 4 1 because you let them win one game. I say, like, yeah. if, if you're up 3 nothing in a series, no NBA team has ever come back from a 3 nothing deficit in a seven game series. So it, get. It. No, I guess Bron. It was three one, right? When yep, when yeah. Bron so three one has happened yeah. quite a few times. Three nothing yeah. has never happened. It's only happened five times in the big four American sports: NHL, NBA, MLB. And it happened in the NHL, like in the last two years, I think. It yeah. was like the Tampa Bay Lightning or something did that. Yep, that that sounds yeah. right to me. Uh, it's happened four times in the NHL and only one time in MLB. It's yeah. never happened in the NBA. There's there's no reason to play that seventh that that fourth game in a sweep, yeah. um, it it's just pointless. So, the NBA, I think they should eliminate that game. Uh, so another thing with the playoffs, with 30 teams right now, 16 teams in the playoffs, to me is a little ridiculous. You, you have more than half the teams in the playoffs, and the yeah. eighth is likely how, never going to win the championship. And let a, let alone make it out of the first round. So yeah. on the other hand. I understand that tanking is very prevalent already in the NBA, so I'm not trying to give more teams more reason to tank. You know, I, I want to at least keep some teams like, oh, we're going to make the playoffs. That's a good thing. Our fans will be involved. So I'm down with keeping 16 teams, but if you have 32 teams, that's at least right at half the league. I, I prefer that. Yeah. So here's where divisions come into play with my my idea, what I think would be awesome. Yeah. The All-Star game right now has kept conferences as far as the amount of players coming in. They're like, okay, we got 13 players from the East, 13 players from the West. But then they drop it after that. They have the captains draft their teams from those 24 other players. Um, I want the playoffs to be kind of similar. So, I mean, so much of NBA fandom is based on speculation and reaction. And, like, we go back to, like, Kawhi Gate where everyone's just glued to their phones watching twitter seeing where Kawhi's at this offseason right. like we're all about the drama for real so with eight divisions there's eight division winners make a draft all eight teams 
make the playoffs. Maybe every once in a while, just like in football, you'll have a team with a bad record that makes the playoffs. Okay, whatever. The eight seeds are never going to win the championship anyway. So then with all eight, the, all eight of those teams make the playoffs. Then you forget about conferences altogether. We seed those eight division winners, one through eight. Then the eight wildcard teams are put into a draft pool. And then one through eight are going to choose who they want to play. You televise that draft. Everyone is going to lose their minds. I like that. that. I like that. Just like, just imagine everyone's reactions when, like, this year, like LeBron and the Lakers are like, you know what? We want to face the Clippers in round one. We just want to go at it. Like, can you imagine? Everyone would lose their minds. Like, you know, disrespect of, oh, you really think you can beat us in the first yeah. round? And then, like, That's everyone rough. else is like, what? Are you? Can you believe it'll, this? It'll, It'll clearly reflect like matchup preferences for yeah. for coaching in front office saying, hey, you know, the, this is where we recognize our strengths and totally. Yeah, I think I think it definitely. Yeah, that's a very NBA type type of idea right there. I can see the NBA indulging at least in, in hearing that out at some point. So then, you, I mean, you televise that draft and it's just amazing. So there's so much more opportunity for drama. Here's where it gets even wilder. If you were to drop the first round to a best of five series, keep the rest of the rounds to seven games. I don't. I don't want to get too crazy with this. No. But round one would get wild. We know, like last year, no one's watching the Bucks and Pistons in the first round. No one's watching the Raptors and Magic. Even with the Magic, Magic won the first game of that series last year. No one's watching that series. Yeah. Those are basically just wasted games. But if you have a five-game series, there's less chance for things to, to get evened out. There's less chance for teams to be like, oh, shoot, we shouldn't be losing, pick right. up their game, reevaluate, and win it. Right. So maybe there's there's more chances for upsets. And, you know, by, by the time it gets to the championship, you're still going to have two of the best teams in the league in the championship, no matter what. Right. Um, no one's going to last that long. But it just gives that much more opportunity for drama. Um, on top of that, say, like, it is a five-game series, and... You have the first pick, and you're like, oh, shoot. Like, if you look at last year, like, Kevin Durant, oh, he's going to miss this much time in the playoffs. Maybe we go for them now in this five-game series and try to beat them before Kevin Durant comes back. Maybe we try to right, beat this team right. before yeah. so-and-so comes back from injury. So it yeah. just adds so many new layers that NBA fandom will just devour. They will love yeah. that. And I wonder Seriously. if – and, and as much of a – I'm really not a fan of a midseason tournament, but mm -hmm. I wonder if there would be a way to incorporate – uh, the tournament results into some of those standings or or um, kind of voting powers uh, that be towards towards that point in the season. What a perfect segue, Austin. So, <laughs> for an in-game tournament, I love in-season tournament. You mean? Yeah, in-game. What am I doing? <laughs> I think they're in, in the game tournament. Yeah, they're they're probably playing a game like basketball <laughs> or something. Um, so I love the idea. Here, here's the thing. People are like, what the heck? That doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone want that? People love March Madness. Like, I watch probably two total college basketball games per season. That's me just showing you how little I care about college basketball. Okay, I don't care what new guy Kentucky and Duke have. They're just that's their, end, that's their end of season tournament. Yeah, yeah. They... But, but they do the play those. They do play those. I don't know what you call them. I don't know if you call them tournaments. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, they play tournaments throughout. Yeah. What so, are they? What do they call those though? There's another name for it. 
I don't know. Shoot. It's like when they play, it'll be like a, it's almost like a bowl game. Yeah, exactly, an invitational. Yeah. Perfect. That's okay. that was. I'm splitting hairs, but I just wanted. to – I was curious because it's been a, it's been a little bit. But um, yeah, did you you've ever seen that one on the on the aircraft carrier? I just had to really quickly say that's like one of the coolest things I've seen. Yeah, that it's like awesome. It's not even always a branch of the military that that uh, has to play in it for that to happen. It's like they just like the Air Force just holds a, a invitational on like this aircraft carrier at the beginning of the year. But anyways, yes, that's crazy. Continue, continue. Wow. So my thoughts are everyone loves March Madness because it's single elimination. So anything can happen. Any team can win one game if someone gets hot and the other team is struggling or, you know, so-and-so stayed up too late the night before and they're just having a bad game. You know, like there, there's so much possibility for madness in a single elimination tournament. And that's why March Madness is so popular. It's not because it's the best basketball in the world. So putting that single elimination status on the best basketball in the world and having significant prizes based on that tournament would, would just be amazing. People are like, oh, no one wants that. Who cares? And People you could, want we could it also from the best players in the world. We could also incorporate this. That would once again be an opportunity for the WNBA to piggyback off of some potential uh, stardom uh, or airtime to be caught, you know, WNBA tournament coincides with yeah. it. You know, it's WNBA tur- tournament game is always right before or after. There's a, you know, I, I don't know. There's, there's, yeah. it's that sounds these great. a lot of these initiatives that we're discussing can be tied in with one another. Yeah, and and packaged pretty neatly, uh, in my opinion. Um, here's a quick one in my last one that I had written down that I wanted to discuss. Um, I like. I know a lot of people in the NFL have been advocating for a lottery draft. I'm actually more on the side of, you know, where when it comes to playoff seating and whatnot and how we had just discussed, that's fine. I'll, I'd, I'd rather have that be a little bit entertaining and a, and a bit of a toss-up and whatnot. whatnot. But um, when it comes to teams just losing and having, like, just – you know, like the Cavs or or uh, the Knicks, just just horrid seasons back to back to back. I would like to see a little bit more predictability in terms mm. of where they stand in, in lottery picks. Um, and I and I, I I don't know. I haven't I've watched the NFL rather decently this year, but as far as uh, I've been informed or or remember, I don't believe the NFL has a has a draft lottery. So. I would like to see the NBA actually get a little bit more conservative with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you're you're you like to roll the dice a little bit more, so I, I'm sure that you you probably don't you're probably not on board with this. But I'd like to see them be a little bit more conservative with that, just so just so everyone can get their scratch. Um, but as far as you know, midseason tournaments having bearing on your standing in that in the playoffs and and whatnot, you know, get cutesy, get fun with all of that. But yeah. I just, as as somebody who's just had, we're experiencing a, a season we didn't expect right now as Blazers yeah. fans. Can you imagine experiencing this for for years? Like the Kings haven't made a playoffs in 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 years, and like all these teams have gotten good draft picks. Some some even better than they would if it was a fixed draft. Um, yeah. Whereas, like you know, the Cavs having multiple number one overall picks and picking Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins, um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. You know, that's 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 the one thing that I had just kind of thought about sitting here in, in, in this discussion. I, I personally would like to see that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, the the in-season tournament, Bill Simmons has a great video. I'll share it on the podcast Twitter talking about, like, having two separate tournaments for the top teams in the league and the bottom teams in the league. He yeah. called them uh, 
the the Russell tournament for Bill Russell and the Chamberlain tournament for Wilt Chamberlain, who okay. didn't win nearly as many championship but championships, but obviously has a huge legacy. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the season, it would be like if you made it to this bracket in the tournament, you get this many wins added, and it would be like win, loss, tie, and then another one for the tournament, and it shows how what your number is there. So you'd have that added to your wins for. Uh, for like end of season seeding for playoffs, which yeah. which I think is great. I mean, it it doesn't affect your actual wins. So at the end of the season, you still see oh this is a fifty one uh, fifty win team, this is a thirty two win team, whatever. But then you see oh they did well in that tournament, and that's what bumped them up to that seed. So I think yeah. it's really good for distinguishing that. Um, and I don't remember if he covered this because he talked about the the two separate tournaments. So there's a reason for the um, worst teams to be playing in a tournament. I think it would be really cool if teams could choose at the end of the season if, like, say, okay, say you are Lakers and Clippers, and Clippers, you're not going to win your division, but you're still going to be the top wildcard seed no matter what. If you mm-hmm. could choose to instead use those uh, those wins from the tournament as negative wins for your draft status, so you would bump in draft number ahead of other teams by... so. That might sound super complicated, but to me, I'm like, if you're like a really bad team, but you did well in that tournament, you're not going to make the playoffs. But if you could use um, those wins negatively, say, instead of being awarded four wins, you could choose, do you want it positive or negative? And that's that's still even more attractive to me than, than a lottery, because at least that has a component of decision and purpose. Right. Like, so these teams are actually striving for something. They get a reward on their effort and and their, and their talent and their skill and their, and their scheming. And then they're able to implement it how they choose in a, in a, in a schemed and, and plotted way. Whereas the lottery to me just has this element of just, well, chance, duh, but it just kind of seems very empty when some teams make out better than others or, you know, it's yeah. like, like everyone's suspicious like, all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just, it just, I don't even mind doing something a little bit more colorful like you had just mentioned, yeah. but as, as long as it's not just, just pure chance, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's that's my two cents in regards to the lottery. Yeah. And then uh, another idea, I think Bill Simmons had this idea in that same video. So I'll be rewatching it and I'll put it up on Twitter. Uh, but his idea, I think, was to have teams 7 through 10 play one game wild cards. So I already talked about how it's ridiculous how many teams are in the playoffs. But at that point, like, there's not going to be much difference between the 7-8 seed and the 9-10 seed, most likely. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be like that would draw a lot of viewers to have a one game game play in for the actual playoffs, and it's not it's not like it's you know the the Warriors somehow I mean like last year's Warriors somehow dropped to the seven seed and it's like oh they missed the playoffs because they had one bad game like it right I mean last year the seven seed who was it in the West let's see it was the Spurs they weren't going anywhere. The Clippers were the eighth seed. They're not going anywhere. After that was the Kings and Lakers. So in that scenario, LeBron could actually make the playoffs. Uh, so I just think that would be something that would really, again, drive up viewers. I think all of these ideas are just going to bring the NBA more money. I'm, I mean, I'm not a financial expert here, but yeah. it, it just seems that way to me. Um, so I'm going to dive back to league expansion for a little bit. I want to talk about um, what that would look like because I think that Seattle – 
is number one on the list. I mean, Adam Silver said, you know, Seattle's Seattle needs a team. Um, yeah. Obviously, Mexico City is a huge market that I think it makes the most sense to put it there. But Vegas I'm just gonna makes say, sense too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Vegas. I'm gonna say if if logistically things work out and you know the NBA is already so cautious, I think if they're gonna do it, they're gonna play it a little more safe. There's already you know a hockey team that just came to Vegas and had instant success. Sports betting so, starting to get a little bit more lenient, just totally. in terms of policy, U.S. policy. Yeah. So when I when I look at this this um, the NBA would go from. The exact same division setup as the MLB, where it's 15 team conferences, five team divisions in each, and it would go to exactly the same as the NFL, which is uh, eight four team divisions, two conferences, 16 teams each. Yeah. Um, and what that looks like, I think it would really help out the Western Conference in one aspect, and that's travel. Um, obviously, it's not going to help out all that much. It's it's. You're still going to have 80 games. You're still going to have yeah. to visit away teams, all that. But when I was looking at Portland, this might be a little biased here, but when I was looking at Portland, the average distance to their current division, on average, let's see. On average, Portland has to travel 1,132 miles to get to a division opponent. Wow. With my... League realignment, where the Northwest Division is now Portland, Seattle, Sacramento, and San Francisco, Golden State. Their travel distance would be on average 386 miles. That's like wow. practically, I don't know, a third, a fourth of what it was before. Um, so obviously that's not going to affect every team that way. Um, and we're still going to have to go against teams everywhere in the country. No. But I, I just, I just feel like it makes more sense to have divisions actually close to each other instead of portland utah minnesota all the way in the corner of the map um the northwest is the northwest portland seattle sacramento san francisco the pacific is uh basically the same minus sacramento and san francisco adding las vegas where it's los angeles los angeles phoenix and las vegas southwest is texas plus new orleans central division is utah okc denver and memphis um so the Atlantic Division keeps everyone, Southeast Division keeps everyone, but Toronto and D.C. go over to the Northeast uh, Division. I, I have it all uh, put up on a Excel <laughs> Yeah, we script. should, we should, we'll post, we'll post a picture of that. Um, yeah, uh, I think I can put it up with the video. So if you're watching the video, um, hopefully you can see it right now. We'll see. That'd be awesome. Yeah, also, so, quick, quick little check-in here, Christian. Uh, at the half, uh, beginning of the third quarter, I should say, with 11 minutes left, Knicks are up 53-50. Um, Carmelo Anthony is leading the Blazers with 15 points. CJ's got 13, Hassan's got 13, and Dame has four. So, slow slow start for Dame, but uh, Melo is definitely making making his headway as uh, a returning Nick. Whatever, dude. <laughs> so, anyways, wrapping yeah. this up, my friend. So... As far as divisions, I think this this makes sense for every reason. Shortening the season, making it clear, four games for division games, three games for conference games, two games for non-conference uh, teams, and then it, it just makes more sense. Like when you look at the central division, um, which is one that I just created out of nowhere, it is Utah, OKC, Denver, and Memphis, where it's like, okay, they're like centrally located in the U.S. They're like kind of like a hamburger right in the middle. They're the meat. Um <laughs> The Midwest is really the Midwest with Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit, and Minnesota. Like, 
Minnesota should not be in the Northwest Conference. I get it. They're like literally right. north and they're kind of west. Uh, but it just makes more, more sense. Central, yeah. 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 So ho- hopefully you can see my dis- division lineup and it makes sense. And if, if you look at them on a map, everyone is close together as opposed to yeah. what they are now. And, um, and we may even be doing kind of like a, a brief part two of this conversation here in our, in our following episode as well. There's, there's plenty, of, plenty of things to discuss here. This is like my favorite stuff to talk, even if I'm all over the map trying to talk no, about it. No, no, no. I, I think, I think, but it is all, it all, it, it's all corresponding to one another. It's, it's all pretty interrelated. And I think that we're discussing a league that is, is more privy to um, these type, these type of uh, changes. And, and the last one I, I'll bring up. I know I've said that like three times. Is, is that four point shot? I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, do you want it, Austin? Um, I would like to see it tested in the, in, in like summer league. I think that'd be interesting. Test it out in summer league. In, uh, in the, in the G G league. League. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, probably a lot of coaches are like, cause I don't want my players shooting from out there and I'm having them there to develop. Like, uh, no thanks. Um, but yeah, I mean, some, some more. Because it also just affects spacing. It, it affects more than just the players shooting the ball, too, right? Yeah. I think. I think. I don't know. It, it definitely is not something that we should just implement. And and even the even the coaches' challenge has has been implemented pretty pretty quickly and heavy handedly this this year. So um, definitely something that would be down the line, and I don't think would be one of the first changes on the docket for the NBA. This is like the tiniest thing ever, but I still think that. If a player shoots the ball from behind the the half court line, that they should not it should not negatively affect their shooting percentage. Field goal percentage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if you're shooting yeah. the ball from back there, it's because it's to try to beat the buzzer. And there's yeah. I mean, when someone goes up for a shot and they get fouled, it just gets treated as if they never took a shot. Do the same thing for that, because with yeah. players with contract and incentives for percentages and stuff but like that. That's because it, car- it carries over to another stat line then at that point. It carries over to field goals attempted and field goal percentage. Whereas this would kind of, you're asking for, for something for free basically, because then if they do make the shot, it counts as something. So I, I get, I get what you're it's saying. It's the exact same I, with an and one though. If you make it on an and one, it, it counts as field goal made, field point. goal attempted. That's fair. Whereas, yeah, no, 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 you're, yeah. you're right, you're right. You're talking about a, a foul, a shooting foul made. I was thinking of a shooting foul uh, uh, missed and, and, yeah. and how did that translate, but how that translates. But no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I would love to, I personally just want intentional fouling gone. Um, I think it was Steve Kerr talking recently where, uh, j- just like in the last couple of days, talking about how, you know, it used to be when you foul, you foul. Um, and now it's when someone throws their arms up in a certain way, now it's a foul. And and I understand, I'm not a fan of flopping whatsoever, but I understand you got to sell it sometimes so that the refs can actually see it. Um, but I, I just don't like intentionally fouling whatsoever. If you can't play better defense to contain this person, then you should lose because that's the way it works. Offense and defense. If you can't do it, you shouldn't be able to finagle your way and pull a Chris Paul and point at a guy, you know, not tucking him in. <laughs> well, I think that was an issue. Swinging so. a game. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a different thing. But I just think intentional fouling is dumb. Um, I think that it should come down to which team is better at basketball and not which team can make their free throws and 
I think most of the NBA fan fans that I know would prefer to see less free throws in an NBA game. I was so tired of seeing Devin Booker at the free throw line in that Suns game. Yeah. So. I, I'm just not a fan of intentional fouling. Um, whatever it looks like to change that, I think it definitely looks like uh, if someone is going up for a shot and they alter what obviously is their normal shot motion in order to get fouled on purpose, yeah. that's yeah. just ridiculous. And you say, no, that we're not going to call that foul because you ran it. And that affects Damian Lillard a lot. But more so, it affects James Harden. But um, I'm just not a fan think, of that. I think it'd be good for the game. Yeah, I think it'd be good for the game. Um, well, as we as we approach uh, your your deadline, my friend, as well as uh, a little bit past our uh, deadline. Oh, I guess my fire. That is the out. deadline. Yeah, and my fire alarm just uh, went off out in the kitchen. So must go, my girlfriend must be burning some dinner. So I might need to check yeah. on that. <laughs> Get the All extinguisher. Right, buddy, well, was there any uh, last minute? Uh, Topics that you wanted to comb over there, buddy. And like I said, we'll, we'll, we can do a part two for this. We'll, we'll do a part 64 to this because yeah. I love talking future NBA and league expansion and all that. So stoked. All right, buddy. Well, as always, go ahead, everyone, follow us. Uh, like, subscribe, retweet, all that jazz. Uh, Peeps and Plaid on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we've been posting to a couple different fan groups uh, or groups, Facebook groups uh, as well, uh, I believe. Uh, let me go ahead and get to the name of those real quick. But, yeah, Spotify, um, iTunes, Anchor FM. Uh, quick shout-out to Anchor FM, and we're actually not paid at all to say this. I'm just saying, if somebody if somebody's listening to this and they're ever considering that they want to um, – they want to do something with a podcast. It's it's free um, and it's really easy to use. Anchor FM. Um, it's it helped us and it was recommended to us by a friend. So uh, we are just paying it forward and, and letting you guys know that's what we use. Um, the two forums or groups that that we're a part of on Facebook that if you're not you should be are the Trailblazers Forum and the Blazers Nation Forum. So uh, thank you to all of our audience that we've gathered from each of those. Uh, sources and uh, yeah, go Rip City. Yeah, I, I'll, I'm just gonna say real quick. Mm -hmm. So many people ask me about podcasting, and they're like, "Wait, what? How do you do it?" I'm like, "It is so easy. Like Anchor makes it so easy." Yeah, I use Audacity on my non Mac laptop. Um, yeah. it's really easy. So if you have any questions about that, I'm I'm an open book, and you can come on the podcast and talk to us about the Blazers if you Absolutely. have any questions about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Rip City. Yeah.